Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. If you watched any TV at all during the 90s, you will probably remember the Lay's Potato Chip Challenge. Their catchphrase was, Betcha can't eat just one. And as those diabolical marketing geniuses predicted, it was awfully difficult to eat just one and call it a day. Indeed, we all know that many of the things we want tomorrow, like becoming a great clarinetist, publishing a book, or having healthy teeth, requires effortful activities today that aren't necessarily fun, like practicing scales, or daily writing, or flossing. So if we're going to make meaningful progress towards our long-term goals, we have to find a way to exert some self-control and put the desires of future us above those of present-day us. But if we've learned nothing else from decades of failed New Year's resolutions, it's that self-control is not exactly our forte. Sure, we're great at starting things, but sticking with things can be a different story. But what if that's because we've been going about it all the wrong way? What if there were an easier, less painful, and more effective way to get ourselves to do the right thing? The old school way of getting ourselves to do the right thing is to will ourselves to do it. To look at that piping hot plate of skyline chili with like a pound of cheese piled on top, but walk away with a quinoa avocado grilled salmon bowl instead. Doable in theory, but not always so easy. Fortunately, a growing literature of research on self-control suggests that this is not the only way to go about this, and that other strategies may not only be more effective, but easier and less painful too. University of Pennsylvania researcher Angela Duckworth and colleagues have come up with a model of self-control which suggests that our impulses don't just pop up out of nowhere, but grow stronger or weaker through four stages. For instance, stage one is situation, like walking into the kitchen. Stage two is attention, like where you notice the box of chewy chocolate chip cookies sitting on the counter. Stage three is appraisal, where you think, what the heck, it's Friday and I feel like a cookie. And stage four is response, where you end up eating a cookie, or a dozen cookies. Or alternately, stage one, situation, where you walk into the apartment. Stage two, attention, where you notice that your practice area is set up nicely, with music laid out with goals for the next practice session. Stage three, appraisal, which is where you think, hmm, it would be nicer to finish practicing before dinner rather than after. And stage four, response, where you end up practicing now and you enjoy the rest of the evening off. 
One of this model's predictions is that we'll have greater success doing the right thing if we nip temptation in the bud and take action in the earlier stages, rather than waiting until the later stages when temptation is likely to overwhelm our better judgment. The model also outlines not one, but five categories of self-control strategies that we can use. Number one is situation selection. So if you're preparing for a big audition in a month and want to practice, well, hang out with the subgroup of your friends who go to bed early, wake up early, and nerd out about effective practice and performance practice. Number two would be situation modification. For instance, if you want to practice more effectively, maybe turn your phone off or use airplane mode. Number three would be attentional deployment. So if you're tempted to watch TV, practice in a room with no TV in it, or at least not in your line of sight. Category four would be cognitive change. This is where you might think about the pros of practicing now versus the costs of practicing later or not at all. And category four is response modulation. This is where you would practice through sheer force of will, even though every fiber of your being is screaming that you must finish succession right this instant. I'm all about finding the easiest way to do the most challenging thing, so this four-stage model and intervene earlier strategy sounds pretty appealing. But how well does it work in real life? In a 2016 study, 159 undergraduate students were recruited and randomly assigned to one of three groups. All of them reported the number of hours they studied on a typical day, and were also asked to set a study-related goal for the week. Something like, study French for one hour each night before going to bed, or not go on Facebook while completing the research paper I have to do. Group 1 was the Situation Modification Group, and they were given information about the benefits of moving tempting things out of one's line of sight instead of trying to will yourself to resist them and then they were instructed to make any adjustments to their study environment that they thought would help to minimize any tempting distractions, like turning off their phone, installing apps to restrict access to Facebook, and so on. Group two was the response modulation group, and they were told that self-control is like a muscle and that it can be strengthened by actively resisting things that tempt you instead of simply avoiding them. These participants were then asked to practice using their willpower to stay on task and resist any temptations that might present themselves. Group 3 was the control group, and they didn't get any tips or information on how to stick to their study goals. So after a week, the students reported in on A, how well they did with their study goal, and B, how much temptation they experienced. And as expected, students in the situation modification group, that's where they minimized temptations, they were more likely to achieve their study goals than those in the response modification and control groups. And that's certainly pretty cool, but what I think is more interesting is why they were successful. It's not just one single thing, but some deeper statistical analyses revealed that part of the reason why the situation modification students were more successful in achieving their study goals is that they experienced less temptation in the first place. In other words, they made things easier for themselves by relying less on willpower and more on what some have called environmental structuring. There are times when it can be very valuable to practice focusing past distractions like TikTok, Netflix, and a plate of freshly baked chocolate chip cookies but not every day. So on a day-to-day basis, what are some ways to restructure your environment to reduce temptations? Before you go on to the next podcast episode or something else on your phone takes your attention away, take a moment to jot down a list of five easy-to-implement ideas and give them a try this week. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com blog. If you found this episode helpful, 
please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. And if you'd like to explore this sort of thing in more depth, whether it be to get more out of your daily practice or to get better at managing performance pressure and shrinking that gap between what you can do in the practice room and what comes out on stage, you can learn more about the live and self-paced courses that are available at bulletproofmusician.com courses. 